0: Welcome to Licensed Psychologist, Now What?, a podcast about the journey psychologists and psychotherapists go through as they reclaim their intuition and unleash their healing gifts while maneuvering getting licensed, life, and making a living. And although this podcast host and many of the guests are mental health professionals, the information provided is not meant to be a substitute for being diagnosed and treated by a licensed mental health, medical, and related professionals or for supervision and or consultation purposes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Licensed Psychologist, Now What? This is your host, Dr. Lidiana Garcia, and today I have the honor and privilege to interview a dear, sweet, mastermind, colleague, peer, Kate Lally. Kate, welcome to our podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Ah, It is so nice to be able to have this discussion. We're part of like, I don't even know, I call it a mastermind, but I don't know if that's how it's called. But it's a program, a nine-month container. And we're the two therapists. I know now you're more of a coach, but we're like the both trained therapists. So I always like lean to my people in that way and I feel it was really helpful to see you because then I was like okay I'm not the only one that it's working on mental health you know from this perspective and that shares a little bit of the journey of <laughs> the difficulties of earning your degree and the profession and the limitations and which is all what this podcast is about so thank you can you share it with us a little bit about you and your services and what do you love the most about it
1: Thank you. So I am a life coach and business mentor. That is a new hat I've put on recently. After being on the journey of becoming a coach for a few years, I learn a lot along the way, and want to extend that wisdom and guidance to others. So that's a recent shift I've made. So I, my background is a as a licensed therapist. I had over a decade of experience and. I just love and honor and support your work so much because I'm like, where were you many years ago when I needed it, when I felt so stuck in the box of the system and felt really disconnected from my work, you know, my own personal work and intuition. So I I love what you do. And that's Segue to what I love that I do now as a coach is I I help people wake up to their truth to uncover the conditioning and I use the metaphor of like shedding the box and I call it claiming your star shape and really feeling safe to step into who you are and, and who you came here to be on a soul level.
0: I love that so much. And for those of you that are listening, Kate, for the first time, she has the most amazing like Words and phrases that she creates to explain things is like if you need like if I need to figure out a phrase or something, I would go to her. Like she has all this, and I'm a visual person, so when you say the starship and all that, I imagine that. So yeah, oh, the journey is hard, right? There's a box that is being put on therapist. Oh.
1: Yes, so so much, absolutely, and it really it keeps us confined, and then that impacts or I say infects our clients as well if we're kind of forced to be in that prescribed role and cut off from who we are then it's hard for our clients to do good work in that
0: space yeah and you went to school Iskos, can you share a little bit of your process of education and then when did you realize that you were in a box because that takes a long time
1: yes and of course like I say Our path is what it had to be like I don't regret what it was because I I chose it so my background I I went to UConn um, University of Connecticut for undergrad I grew up in Connecticut as well and then I chose a master's program after watching i worked at a residential program for a year after I went to grad school I'm sorry after I went to undergrad and I saw what the therapists were doing there and a lot of them went to the program that I ended up choosing which was Assumption College in Massachusetts which is where I live now and chose that program and I enjoyed it and it suited me it served me at that time um, and it took me years to like recognize that I was in a box right because it, it worked For a while, I had to kind of, you know, get sick of it and start having this inner shift to want to break free from that box. But for a long time, you know, I lived by it. Like I did that kind of more prescribed method. The program itself was cognitive behavioral therapy. So we were, you know, big, big believers in medication and therapy as the best form of treatment. And. It was very standard. And then the place that I worked, the, I worked at a nonprofit for nine years, and then I had a private practice on the side. And where i worked, they, they chose us because we had that CBT background. So we were all boxes, right? We were, like, we were all in the box together, kind of believing that we had the most evidence-based research treatment. And I don't say that in a, a shamey way, but it was just like, we were allowed to believe like we had the best thing and we weren't really exposed to many other different modalities that were kind of deeper. So I I lacked exposure to that. And I think that's also what led to my breakdown to breakthrough later on.
0: Mm, You share so many things. And one of the things that I I want to focus for a second is the evidence-based piece, because I'm not, I know a lot of The listeners are right now in graduate school or are deciding to choose because, you know, you graduate and then it's like, that's like nothing. (laughs) You need all the certifications and evidence-based practices. And so, yeah, CVT is one of the gold standards. Even psychiatrists and medical doctors would say, yeah, because they go to conferences and somebody presented a research and because it's so easy to intangible to measure success in a short term then that's what people lean to. And do you remember if there was there a time like you were probably like doing therapy or something that you were like, whoa, this is not helping. Or like, was that like a slow process for you to go there? Or was there like a day or a time? I'm just curious.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. No, I think I really believed I was doing really good work because I I follow the box. Like I cross the T's you know, I dotted the eyes, I, I like followed the script of like CBT, DBT, I was also trained in that and it was almost looked at. And this was kind of the, the norm as well that like, if the client wasn't making progress, it wasn't you being ineffective as the therapist, it was like, well, they're just not doing the work, rather than the self reflection, you know, of like, what are you not I actually feel like where i work, worked, we lacked supervision that encouraged that kind of self-reflection and doing that deeper like counter transference work. So that was something that um, maybe I could have sought out on my own, but I didn't receive. So it allowed me to like see myself as doing the right thing and, and good therapy for a long time. But I think what really broke me through that was when I started to struggle in my own life and I sought out therapy for myself and I didn't find the therapy effective. And it threw me into this like, I call it a third life crisis because I was in my early thirties. And I was like, I don't I don't know what I believe in anymore because she's offering the same level of support that I do. And I'm, I'm like not feeling anything. Um, I felt like I was just spinning my wheels and actually kind of in quicksand because I, I was not in a good place in my life. And I was awakening, you know? So I think I needed more like Spiritual guidance or someone or a deeper level of therapeutic support, someone that could tune me into me. So that's when I began to see the cracks in the system. And at the beginning, there was a whole process of that as well that kept unfolding for months and maybe a couple years.
0: Yeah. You're bringing also a really interesting point that when therapists go to therapy and the therapist you chose it because of a specific model and it's not helping or is helping until a certain point. That is something that is like a big taboo to speak about because it's like, oh, it has to work. Let me keep going to therapy because that's what I have to do, but is it really helping? And a lot of times we seek out other ventures, other ways of alternative therapies, retreats and, you know, <laughs> plant medicine whatever it is, more of that deep soul that other professions might be less regulated to do so, so they can go there? Because our profession is so regulated. Like I know I'm a licensed psychologist, and you were, was it MFT? Or I don't know how it is in Massachusetts.
1: Um, LMHC, licensed mental health
0: Yeah, so it's very regulated, and that limits us. So what were some of the things that helped you during that process after you started awakening?
1: Um, seeking out a spiritual retreat, actually, that was really pivotal for me saying yes to that. And that I don't recall what happened first, but I know I stopped going to therapy. Like I just got sick of hearing myself talk and, and sick of it not being productive. And I think that once I went on the spiritual retreat, maybe that's when I like disconnected from my own therapy. And then I, I called it the process of seeking spirit within myself. And I did so much self reflection and I kind of went into this cocoon and I disconnected a lot from people in my life intentionally, not with like bad, you know, energy or anything, but just wanted to spend a lot of time alone to figure out who am I? What do I want in life? And I needed to tune out the noise and start tuning into me. So that was really pivotal. And I'll say I struggled a lot to find the right support, to find like a community or other spiritual, you know, people or mentors that were on that path. So I did end up finding another therapist later on that was, she had six months left in her practice as a therapist before she was becoming a full-time coach. And she also did energy healing. So she was kind of more on my wavelength. And I had a positive experience with her, but I'm sure I probably would have benefited more from her as a coach. It was still therapy, like scraped the surface of what I was looking for.
0: Mm. Can you describe some of the differences, how you see it, therapies versus coach?
1: Yes. I love that question because I struggled for with that for so long. Even when I was a coach, you know, I was like, what is this? What am I? I said I went through like an identity crisis because it's similar but different I remember telling a friend of mine that was a real estate agent and became a coach that I'm like, I think it's easier for you to go from one to the other because ours is, you know, you're often sitting one-on-one with people and it can feel very similar. So for me, it was it's the energy that I take on and bring to the session that's on my end, what's different, but within two other facets the service is different. I find that coaching is very much future forward where we touch on the past. Like we make connections to your past, but we don't stay there. You know, it's very much like connect the dot. Okay. Then I can help you move forward if I understand where you have come from. And then another difference is in the level of investment of change of the clients coming in, that coaching, you often, you say yes to an investment and for the full set, or package or program that you're doing so I find that the clients for coaching come in and they're so ready to do the work to dig in to take charge and I'm not saying therapy clients aren't but it's just a different energy there and also I'd say there's different levels of that investment even within therapy because there's clients that you know at the lowest level of investment sometimes not not by their own fault, but sometimes they're on the state insurance and they don't even have to pay a copay. They just can come week after week without it requiring a higher level of investment. So there's that. Then there's clients who use insurance and therapists that use insurance. And then there's self-pay, you know, so there's a different level of investment, you know, throughout that whole process.
0: Yeah, that is so important. The different investment, because I mean, I used to work in nonprofit, and you could see the difference. There were some clients that because of life circumstances, they were in that situation and they were very invested. But there were some that they were like, no, like, I'll just follow along because also this probably was required by the school or by my partner or by my mom. Like when I work with teenagers, that happens a lot, that... Sometimes they're not that invested because it was forced, quote-unquote forced, from their parents. And and it's so important to explore their level of... It's, it's so important to explore their level of investment, regardless, you know, of what... Because there could be some many people that might drop tons of money, but they might not... And we see that when people purchase courses and stuff and they're not invested. So... But yeah, that is something really important. And for those that are listening and are like, hmm, what are some of the benefits for you to be a coach and not have your license? I mean, do you have your license still or, you know?
1: I do. It will be this coming December that I choose to disconnect from it um, and to, to let it go. And I'll say... How it serves me is that I have a story of recovery, you know, of healing childhood trauma, um, of being a target of workplace abuse and having had gone through some really dark times in my life that having held so much shame. So I call it soul schools. Like I went through soul school. I went through the school of life and I love being able to share from that part of me. And when clients come to me as a coach, they're asking for that, right? Like they want to know that I've sat where they've sat. And it's not that therapists haven't gone through it. But I remember this really pivotal, exciting time for me when I was still in the process, I still had some therapy clients, but I was also a life coach. And when I started having clients find me through my Instagram account, and seek me out, and they didn't even know I had like a psychology today, or that I was a therapist, like they didn't know. And they like resonated with my words and my truth. And that felt so powerful to me to be called on, not for my level of expertise or the letters after my name, but to be, you know, called in to be their support system because I was just being me. And, and because I didn't feel safe to be myself for much of my life, and I hid behind a facade. I had so many walls that it's like, it's my work, right? To be myself. And that's why it's healing for me as well. I support therapists that want to stay in the system and and kind of do what you're doing and like be themselves, trust their intuition, use their gifts. And now I love seeing this shift in how things, what's how therapists are showing up on online and social media. It's now okay for them to be a human and to be professional at the same time. And you know if that had happened years ago maybe i wouldn't have felt like i needed to like totally shift gears but i was so suppressed in the system that i was in that for me it broke me free from that so it was really a personal choice and to like give myself the medicine that i need and also more space to express my gifts as you know i'm also a photographer and i've been stretching into that part of myself well as well so there's just there was more of me that needed To come out, and it felt truer to myself to be a mirror for people as a life coach
0: and as a photographer. Mm, I love that. I know right now a lot of therapists are considering that. Are considering like I've considered myself eventually not have the license anymore and move more into as a coach or something else because the license does limit you, especially when you're a newly licensed that is a trip. It's so scary. I remember all being like, someone is going to call them, you know, and, and the license is going to be taken away. What am I going to do? And they do it in that way. You know, the ethical code and all that, it's it's in a way that is very, I feel like it's very limiting and sometimes very punitive. Yes. And it makes therapists be a little box. I remember even for me as a, as a Puerto Rican, in Puerto Rico, when I was being taught the ethical class, it was still based in the U.S. And a lot of the things of not receiving gifts and stuff, Puerto Ricans do that. My grandma used to go to a doctor and will bring like avocados from our, you know, our farm and stuff like that. And even I'm assuming in countrysides of the U.S., people still do that. So it, it was very based for city kind of type and then generalized that everyone is the same. So for those of you that are listening and interested in that, I would definitely say, I mean I know I'll ask Kate to share you know where to find her, but to really look into that because I think there is a difference of going to a coach that has only been a coach, but if you go to a coach that was also a therapist then really understands the little you know what you probably are going through. Yes. So in that same wavelength, <laughs> what would be a message that you would say for someone that it's wanting to reclaim? whether it is for them to be a coach or something that is their inner gift? Because I know you mentioned photographer and what is the message that you would tell them?
1: It really is this like unbecoming that you have to go through, right? And that's what I, I say what I help people do is say yes to themselves and to shed the toxic shoulds, you know, that we get so sidetracked and stepped out of our power by you know, living in scarcity and being in this hustle mode that we don't tune into ourselves. And I've had some really powerful sessions with clients that, you know, are in their 40s and work in their jobs and start to rekindle a connection to where they lost track with their truth. You know, I had an adult male have a moment where he got emotional because he recognized when that was, you know, and he's now reconnected with his inner artist and has put work in shows. But a few years ago, that was not on the table. You know, I'm not saying he's gonna leave his career as an engineer and become, you know, like an artist Mm -hmm. and, and get paid fully that way, but it's possible. But you have to be willing, you know, to unbecome, which is sometimes a painful process. And a lot of times, like, life has to get ugly, you know, before we're willing to make a shift that was the case for me. You know, why I was a target of workplace abuse is I stayed in my comfort zone for a long time. I had mindset blocks, I had, you know, fears and scarcity. And I didn't know that I was worthy of hiring someone to help me, you know, break free from that. I had so much unconscious conditioning. So I think what's coming through is the message is that you're worthy of support. You're worthy of, you know, living a life that you love and not settling.
0: So important. As you were talking about that unbecoming, it's so interesting that I went straight to a theory and I'm like, oh my God, I'm not the most like into theories. But when I took my first humanistic psychology class back in undergrad, the way that I was introduced to Rogers, Carl Rogers was very much that way, which it was like the ideal self that people are being put on because of their parents, society, and their real self. And part of the journey was to help Figure out the real self, which is like, you know, unbecoming everything that ideal self that it was imposed. So, in that journey, what helped you the most?
1: Of the unbecoming. Yes. It really like when I I said I went into this like cocoon phase, (laughs) and I had to to step out of a lot of my connections with a lot of people that I loved because they were upholding who I used to be. And I went through this really deep transformation and a lot of people didn't know how to receive me. And it was this kind of have to reintroduce yourself when you come out of that. And I've since gone through that several times now, but um, that first time it was really deep and and without like a spiritual support or community, I felt very alone. So it, it probably got prolonged and I probably had more ego and, and things that came into play and I, I wasn't able to like integrate in a lot of ways. So I would say I lacked support and that's now been part of my, my calling and my mission is to create that, you know, what I was lacking because I see now the gap um, that's there, that we really need that that community, that holding and support and people that can uphold the new version of us that we're becoming and that support that version of
0: Oh, that is so important because then that phase of then realizing that some people might not be able to be there for the real you because they want to continue uphold whether because they were taking advantage or whether because they feel threatened, <laughs> that if you're real self and this is the real you, then does that mean that I have to be the real me and I don't want to do that? Ah. That probably was hard for you.
1: It was. I almost want to say it is because it's it's continued as I continue mm. to evolve. I have to reintegrate, you know, my like I'm I'm devoted to my family. I believe I chose them, you know, on a soul level, but they've had to upgrade and up level as I have, as my partner does, you know. I call him up into his power and As I stand in mine. So it's been an evolution on many
0: levels that it's still going. Yes. As I'm hearing you say that, I wonder if someone listened and be like, "Uh, that sounds like so much work. So what are some of the benefits then? Yeah. Because I know the struggles are clear evident. You might lose people and all that, but what are the benefits? Can you share what the benefits of you becoming, um, unbecoming that and becoming the real Kate?
1: Yeah. Actually, what I'll say, because the the mastermind that you share that we're in, I had a call with Nisha Gugli, who runs it, and she said something so pointed that I don't think she realized how much it helped me. But I really struggled to integrate, you know, like the having people from another part of your life, like friends you have history with or whatnot, yet then other people that support who you're becoming. And Nisha said so softly and beautifully, like, it's not one or the other, it's and. You know, and, and I actually this came up in a session with a woman today who's awakening to her truth and realizing like, oh, man, but what if I start showing up differently in my friendships or with my family? Are they going to like, do I have to cut them out? And that was a fear that came up. And, and what I shared with her is that, no, you know, you choose new people for yourself, new supports, new community. I call it our solar system, like who's in our social support system? And then really what happens is our circle widens. You know, everyone just has a different role in kind of an ecosystem. They just serve us in different ways and we show up for them in different ways. So I see it, and to answer your question, like so much expansion and growth and you kind of open up energetically to be able to invite new people in while still holding the people that you already have in that system.
0: Mm, The word that came to my mind was like a sense of peace and freedom Yeah, because you're no longer in, I mean, you might find other boxes. It's not like you break one box and that's it. You know, that's what life is. But now there's a little more space with the new box or new boxes down the road. It's like more space to move, more space to be you.
1: Yeah.
0: Like that expansion that you were mentioning.
1: Yes. And inner freedom. I love that you pointed out the freedom, but the space to be yourself and to feel free. And that that's not for everyone right like some people don't care about that they feel like they are who they are in their job or as a therapist or whatever so it's to them it's not going to be worth it it's not going to be worth the deeper work the shadow work the shedding the unbecoming you know because they feel like safe to be themselves enough in their job but so for me it was that level of like feeling stuck in a box for so long that just like catapulted me and I'm like, I'll do anything not to stay stuck again. But I loved what you said too, that I absolutely, I shed the therapist box and then I went through a life coach training and I almost like fell into another box again. And it's been a journey of then like finding who am I as a coach outside of as well. And I think that's just our work in life, you know, in general, we like rules and structure and, and guidelines, but then
0: we want to make our own. Yeah. <laughs> Which brings back what, the human experience of so many ironies and contradictions of how the box can make you feel safe. And I mean, you know, there's all those studies more from um, the learning theories about opening a box for the cats and then the cats didn't want to leave, you know, because they were, they were feeling safe. And anything that is out there, it's unknown. And the unknown for the body triggers any kind of sense of threat so and at the same time by doing so it will be like you mentioned it will be a journey it's not going to be all we say colores de rosa in spanish like it's not going to be like flowers and all this nice good thing there might be some hurt some grief and all that but then when you start seeing the other and the sense of freedom and expansion then you feel that it was worth it
1: absolutely very yeah i had I've been working on it's a growth edge for me of like sharing myself more transparently not just when I'm like in a good space on on Instagram or with other people and sharing when I'm going through it you know when I'm like in the stuckness and I had someone reflect back to me she's like I love that you share that side of you too and I said well not all rainbows and butterflies I said I've got plenty of that (laughs) you know but there's Hmm. also like rainstorms and you know all kinds of stuff that Jizzles, as you know, I
0: like to call it. Yeah, that
1: we have to go through too. Yeah, you gotta go through the yeah. dark to get to
0: the light. Yeah, and it's not that all, all or nothing, and or you know, it's that all combined. So that piece is so important, the integration. Oh, oh, I feel like I can keep on talking. This is so down my alley in terms of yeah. But as we're looking at the time and the fire round questions, this is like and finish the sentence. My unique and special gift is...
1: Intuition is what came to me. Mm. I am reclaiming... Myself, that's what came to mind, like my my soul self.
0: Mm. Hmm. I no longer subscribe to... Shoulds. If my ancestors would speak, they would say...
1: I have such a strong connection to both grandmothers of mine that have passed that sometimes I feel as if they speak through me and I have a connection makes me actually want to say i'm also reclaiming my voice because i know that's something that they were not did not feel safe to use so
0: and my wish for you is
1: true and with that like safety to be yourself you know safety to just be free be why my word unadulterated is coming coming to mind i'm not sure if that's what i'm trying to say but just like unabashed joy freedom Mm, Thank
0: you for this. One last thing before we go into your offerings and all that, that just came to my mind and kept coming. So I'm going to follow my intuition. What would you say for those that, because there's a lot of people that are going through a similar journey of unbecoming. So as the supporter, as the family member, as the lover, as the parent, what would you say to them that would probably would have helped you? from your support system?
1: That's a tricky one. I'm like, that's so loaded. Because my biggest takeaway, I would say, is what actually I lacked as the person on Becoming that actually could have been more supportive to integrate and keep the people in, you know, my system. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if there's anything that they could have done differently because it's such a personal journey and you can't expect other people to support it because you choose it for yourself so I, I wish I had an answer for that but it's there's no easy one
0: but I think you kind of answer in a way what I heard also was that there's not that much that they can necessarily do you know they cannot like do something to change any. you know it's like kind of like stepping back but maybe just being there but there's not that much that they can do yeah yeah Oh my God, thank you for this conversation and interview. Can you share about your current and upcoming offerings and where can people find you?
1: Yes, thank you. So I'm on Instagram, Kate Lally Coaching. That is also my website, katelallycoaching.com. And I'm actually in the midst of a massive pivot in my business. I've been doing <laughs> a lot of one-on-one life coaching and also mentoring for some coaches and therapists as well as other you know, young business owners that want to step into their gifts and their, their work in the world. And the pivot is that I've done one on one for a really long time as a therapist and also a coach. And I'm in the space of breaking free from that and in the process of hiring the right support to create and launch groups and programs and some longer mentorship. So that's not on my website yet, but that will be coming next. So you can sign up for my mm. newsletter um, or follow me on Instagram to stay tuned with what what is coming.
0: Yeah. And is your website live already? Yes. It's so pretty. It is such a beautiful website. And the pictures, I'm so happy to kind of feel like part of it. I know. You tipped us
1: off <laughs> on vacation. That yeah. so divine. Yeah. Yes. Thank you.
0: Yeah. No, it was awesome so thank you so much Kate for coming here and sharing your story it was so inspiring and I hope the listeners were also able to receive your magic which is like by you shining you you help others to remember their light and to shine so I always love that you know so mm, any last thank
1: you so much I really feel honored to have the opportunity and to support your work. You know, I really love what you do. And like I said, I wish I had known that that existed years ago because I think therapists do great work in the world and they also need to feel safe to be themselves. So I honor you.
0: Thank you. I receive that. And for our listeners, thank you so much. We'll see each again very soon. Thanks for listening. Licensed psychologist now what? To make sure you don't miss any episode, make sure to subscribe via your favorite podcast player and to join our email list via our website. Lastly, I will appreciate if you would rate and review our podcast to help us reach more folks that can benefit from the information provided here. Until next time, bye-bye.